Al-Jazeera podcast. Israel is in crisis. A wave of killings in Israeli military raids, attacks on Palestinians by Jewish settlers, and continuing protests against proposed changes to the judicial system. How responsible is the country's new far-right government for this violence and unrest, and how is it all likely to end? I'm Nick Clark, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, for more on this, I'm joined now by our guests in Tel Aviv is Gideon Levy, is a columnist for the Israeli newspaper Haaretz. In Haifa is Sally Abed, a member of the National Leadership at Standing Together, which is the largest Arab-Jewish grassroots movement in Israel. And in Brussels, we have Stephen Erlanger, who's chief diplomatic correspondent in Europe for the New York Times. Welcome to all of you. Gideon, I'd like to start with you. Before we get into what all this means, just trying to get a, an idea of the... Uh, level of support or otherwise for this, uh, these so-called reforms. Uh, we've seen widespread pro- uh, protests for weeks now. What proportion of society do they represent, do you think? It's very hard to judge, but it's very clear that the elite of Israel, the intellectual, the financial, the juristic and the military uh, elite of Israel is against this reform while the lower classes, and it is also about a class uh, conflict, a conflict between classes, the, 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 the lower classes are still supporting Netanyahu, and by the end of the day, it is half and half, roughly speaking. And Steve, uh, Langer, would you agree with that? Is, would that be your assessment as well? That's what it certainly looks like. Um, Bibi has always fancied himself the representative of the sort of left behind of the North African Jews. This is what Likud began, what um, what Menachem Begin began, and Bibi in, um, inherited. What strikes me is the anger from the elite Edom talks about. It's like they've been woken up from a sleep Right. And now, Sally, you're one of the many, many, many protesting against these changes. Uh, You're from Standing Together. Just to give us some context, just tell us a little bit about uh, your group, what it represents and and what you stand for. Absolutely. Um, Standing Together is, uh, you mentioned that uh, we are a a grassroots movement. Uh, We work uh, throughout the country locally as well as nationally around issues of peace, equality and social justice. And uh, what Standing Together is really trying to do through these protests, which are obviously, uh, you know, not led by one uh, movement, but rather is led by, you know, tens of different organizations and organized group as well as uh, um, very organic uh, mobilization of uh, of uh, Israelis who are going onto the streets, and uh, what we are trying to do is really uh, understand also uh, strategically uh, as well as uh, uh, politically what's the best uh, way we can capitalize on this moment. Uh, this okay, moment so, so where you, the Israel- you represent all sides of the spectrum, and you've been protesting. Today, what and you know, throughout the last few weeks, what what sense have you got the mood? The mood is very very uh, um, accurate to what uh, Gidon and and Stephen really uh, um, described. You know, it is the elite, um, and uh, while that's good because usually the elite does have a certain power uh, uh, and is usually uh, can voice out uh, its frustrations and its demands in much more. Uh, effective way, it's not enough. 
what we're trying to do is is expand that to the Palestinian citizens of Israel who obviously oppose the reforms and the current mm -hmm. government, but are not taking any active part in these protests, as well as to the social and geographic peripheries of Israel, which, uh, as was mentioned as well, are the support base of the current government. And what's your sense of, of the first question I pose, how much opposition is there for these measures and how much support? The question is not about support. If mm -hmm. you really look at the junctions of real change and real, you know, revolutions, mm -hmm. uh, you need active opposition. And at the moment, as I said before, unfortunately, the current uh, protest is is uh, overlooking uh, uh, the uh, the base of the current government, which is geographic, economic, and social geographies of Israel. Uh, but uh, uh, peripheries, sorry, of Israel, uh, but uh, they are also overlooking uh, the Arab Palestinians uh, in Israel, which I think are the key. Uh, so I am. I would say that they are a large minority, uh, but they are still a minority. Right, Steve Erlanger, in your role in Jerusalem previously as bureau chief for the New York Times, you got to know Netanyahu very well. What do you think his motivations are? Uh, for these changes from, from his point of view? Well, I can't read into his brain, first of all. It's very complicated. I think he's confused himself, but there's a political element, which is he wants to stay in power. Uh, his base is changing. It's becoming more religious, more right-wing. Um, and he has made, basically, he's gone to bed with some people he wouldn't have touched in the past. And he's done that to be in power. And he likes being in power. And in some ways, he's pretty good at it. But there's another element, which is simply personal, which is he wants to stay out of jail. As long as he's in power, he has immunity from prosecution for long-standing charges that Guidon knows a lot more about than I do, but basically have to do with corruption and taking benefits in office. So as long as he's prime minister, he stays out of jail. And as long as he's in bed with some of these very ultra-religious, close, close to ultra-right-wing uh, coalition partners, he gets to stay in power. But right. it's a complicated issue. And I think in his own head, I, I hope there's some degree of ambivalence. So knowing him as you have done, does his positioning surprise you, Steve, in any way from the man you, you first met? Well, it's like asking me about Putin. I used to know him too. Um, and people change and people get a bit a bit desperate. I think Bibi has a bit of a, of a kind of, he's a narcissist and he thinks he's the best to lead Israel and I think he worries about Iran and he worries about lots of things and he believes he can control his coalition partners um, but I you know we have to see whether that's actually true does he really want to upturn the entire Israeli constitutional system I suspect it of heart of hearts he doesn't but I'm not sure uh, he knows quite how to manage what he's now in bed with. Gideon, what's your sense? I couldn't agree more with Steve. Uh, I think that uh, in many ways, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is a story of a tragedy. 
a highly gifted politician, an intellectual, someone who is the most beloved and the most hated figure in Israeli politics for the last 15 years or so, uh, is pushed or pushed himself into an impossible corner in which, as Steve rightly mentioned, he finds himself surrounded by people that he wouldn't like to be surrounded with and in positions that I'm not sure are his positions. But the train left the station. He is there. He is stuck there. Right now, his presence creates a lot, his political presence creates a terrible turmoil for Israel, which, by the way, might end up in a good way. Because for people like me, the last decades in Israel were decades of an ongoing masquerade in which nobody really dealt with anything except of the next vacation and the next new jeep. And here, all of a sudden, the Israeli society woke up. It woke up on the wrong reasons. It still keeps a blind eye over the occupation, which is 10 times more crucial for the future of Israel than one legal reform or another one. But still, there is a wake-up call. Benjamin Netanyahu created it by his behavior, and now it's all about, will it end up only about the legal reform, or will it really bring Israelis to start to think about themselves, to look upon themselves, and to see who are we? Don't they see that we are living in an apartheid state? Until now, they didn't see it. Maybe this will lead them to realize in what state they are living and in what regime they are living. All right. We'll explore that a little bit more in just a second. But Sally, I just wanted to ask you, where do you think this is all heading? It's hard to believe this government's only been in place, what, for just over a couple of months. And the tone has been very quickly set, hasn't it, with all this violence and, and the raids and so forth, and indeed this pushing through of the, the changes. Uh, to, to the judiciary. What's your sense about where this is going? And, and what about the protests? How do you think they're going to gather pace or not? Um, uh, I definitely, um, you know, it, it, this is a very uh, essential, this is a junction, a historic junction uh, for the Israeli public to who is for the first time, I think, really questioning uh, you know, the idea of democracy. Democracy for the first time is really on the main table being discussed. I agree with Gideon that I think, uh, you know, the main discussion was triggered by the wrong reasons. Um, and I do think that it's our, uh, the question, really, the, the question is whether the uh, uh, new left that is emerging in Israel, um, which didn't exist, uh, you know, for for many years, and now is a little bit stronger than it was before. A left that is Jewish Arab in 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 essence, uh, a left that is more progressive, that is also uh, uh, will be successful to talk to not only uh, um, the elite, the the well, the old elite, which is now on the streets, as well as Palestinians in Israel with conditional partnership that we had. Now we are creating a new kind of partnership and a new kind of majority in Israeli society that can talk to Palestinians and to the peripheries, as I mentioned before. If we are able to capitalize on that 
and redefine democracy, not only restore it for the Jews. <laughs> and by the way, not just for the Jewish people, but also for very certain uh, uh, groups of the Jewish mm. Israelis. Because if you ask the Mizrahim right now, and if you ask the uh, uh, you know Ethiopians, if you ask uh, former USSR immigrants, they also tell you that they don't feel like um, they were fully, uh, part, uh, fully partners of, of the Israeli democracy. Uh, so I think this is the question right now. Do we want to redefine democracy? And I can't tell you what's, what's going to happen. I do think that we're not as big as we want to be uh, uh, coming to this moment, to this very critical moment. Um, but I do think that there are many opportunities that we'll be able to take with us mm. uh, for, for the next years and, and, and hopefully we'll be able to compete uh, with the sure. current uh, Very interesting. It's the question, could this be a tipping point, Steve? I mean, well, there's one thing, as Sally says, for the Israeli public to question what's happening. What about the international community? And I'm sure that Gideon won't mind me quoting what he wrote, that the far, what the far right has done is to remove the mask that enables Western complacency. So the question, Steve, is will this precipitate anything meaningful uh, as far as the international community is concerned, or, or will things, the status quo, just meander on? I have to say, in my experience, you know, in America and in Europe, there has been a kind of reluctance to recognize that Israel has changed considerably in the last 15 years. Um, there's still an image of an old Israel, which is a little more liberal and so on. Um, it, Israel, as everyone here knows in, on this show, is becoming more right-wing, more religious, uh, tougher in its views about its own Arab citizens, let alone the Palestinians, which supports more and more uh, settlements, grabbing land. This is not, you know, your grandfather's Israel. And I think young Americans, and I would say, you know, Americans under, let's say, 35, do have trouble with this Israel. I mean, sometimes in simple terms, they just see Israel as creating Palestinian victims. Um, people aren't very sophisticated about the complications of a small, complicated, intimate country, which Israel is. Um, and people aren't very sophisticated about the problems of the Palestinian Authority and what it's actually like on the West Bank and in Gaza. I admire Gidon Levy for writing about these things for so long and for so well. Um, but I think right now the world is looking at Ukraine. That's what I've been doing for the last year. Um, and its attention is is on Israel right now is quite intermittent. But in the long run, I think this kind of thing hurts, very much hurts Israel's image in the rest of the world and its leverage. At right. the same time, you know, we see Israel moving toward better relations with the Gulf, with Arab countries. So that's going on too. And and we shouldn't forget that. That's also the work of people like Bibi Netanyahu. Mm -hmm. uh, Gideon, what do you think? Could it force the international hand uh, to act further or is it still going to be looking elsewhere, as Steve says? 
I wish I could uh, disagree, disagree with uh, Steve and tell you that uh, the world will change now and the world will, uh, will start treating Israel as it should treat Israel. But uh, it's a long way to go. It's a very long way to go, both in the United States and in the EU. But there are first signs, and what uh, 55 years of brutal occupation didn't do, few months of, of uh, protest uh, against some legislations did do. Because you see that uh, Europe, even the Germans, God forbid, dare to criticize Israel more than in the past. The United States is giving a, a cold shoulder to, to Netanyahu. This is nothing, obviously, because as long as the world will not move from, from talkings, from condemnations, all of condemnations, to deeds, like it knew very well to do with Russia, like they knew very well, obviously, to do with South Africa, as long as it will not move from, from talkings to, to deeds, to actions, nothing will change. But I think there is an opening now, because as, as again, sorry to mention Steve all the time, but as Steve said, there is a new generation, and Steve didn't mention also the Jewish new generation in the United States, which start to ask some questions. I mean, young Americans are asking, where is our tax money going to? Is Israel really the place that deserves so much money, a state which ignores our policy, ignores our requests, and ignores the international law? So it's a long way to go, but it's a nice beginning. Uh, Sally, do you think uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu underestimated the strength of opposition there would be to this? I don't think so. I think he he was uh, um, aware and anticipating this kind of opposition. I just think that he didn't uh, have a choice. He didn't have a choice. Um, and um, uh, he is very, I, I don't know, however, if he was aware of how much, um, you know, when you're desperate, I don't think he was very calculating without underestimating his 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 genius, honestly. Um, I do think that he he maybe underestimated the kind of predicament he's going to find himself in uh, within Israel, but also, uh, uh, you know, with the international community. And do you think the ongoing attacks on Palestinians will intensify and, and more land grabs will be made and, uh, you know, settlements, going into settlements and doing what they do? I think so, unfortunately. Uh, this is the one thing, uh, escalations uh, in the uh, in the occupied territories and uh, uh, with uh, with Palestinians, especially Palestinians in the occupied territories, uh, is something that uh, is uh, has been a very useful tool uh, for for uh, Bibi Netanyahu historically, uh, and we see that now as well. They are really uh, trying uh, to provoke and allowing uh, provocations. Let's say I'm going to be very soft and say allowing and not say even leading those provocations. Mm. Uh, not Bibi, but. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the ministers in his uh, uh, government. Uh, and it works. Why it works? Because it polarizes exactly in the opposite direction that benefits them. Uh, it polarizes uh, Jewish people against uh, uh, Palestinians, and it, it definitely creates a false sense of unity. 
uh, within the Jewish public, which is exactly what would serve him right now. I don't think it's working, though, uh, even though, uh, you know, I, I was very critical of the protests and the fact that they did not uh, 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 criticize um, or they did not um, oppose not just the judicial reform, but the settler reform and the, the deepening uh, of, of uh, the occupation and the apartheid. And we see really steep, very determined steps towards apartheid, not just in the occupied territories, but also here for, for me as a Palestinian in Israel. And um, I do think that um, he is uh, um, really uh, aware of that. And... Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 very it's a very dangerous uh, okay. situation that we. Steve, I just want to bring you in uh, finally. Uh, of course, money in the pocket always has an effect on the street, doesn't it? This has had a big impact on the economy. Uh, credit ratings agencies looking very closely at downgrading Israel. How do you see that panning out? Uh, what kind of effect could that have? Well, that creates pressure too, because I mean, Bibi has been one of the best finance ministers Israel ever had, um, but. I would just go back in, in the last moment I have to what Sally said. I think she's making a, a very good point, which is violence can be used in all kinds of ways. It can be provoked. It can create false unity, false fears, real fears. Um, this is why I say, you know, Bibi's riding a tiger, but he's got to be careful because the tiger's hungry. And Gideon, how do you think this is going to end? If I would tell you that I know, I would just cheat you. Uh, nobody knows how it can end. You, you cannot see any scenario which ends it because both sides are now very strong in their demands. There might be something uh, from the outside which may, will make a change. For example, an uprising of the Palestinians, uh, some kind of violence can put an end to this or at least a temporary end. But no doubt that Israel, after this turmoil, will not be the same Israel. The only question is, is it going to be a better Israel or a worse Israel? And this is, unfortunately, a very open question yet. Uh, Sally, finally, let's end on you then. Uh, what is your sense about how this is going to go over the next weeks and months? I don't know about two weeks and months. Uh, I do know that... Um, you know, as an organizer and as a Palestinian, as an activist here in Israel, I know that this is the time, um, you know, we are at very, very dangerous times and they're not uh, irreversible. Um, I do think that um, uh, I'm not underestimating the things that can be irreversible that will uh, limit our space to act. Uh, it will limit me as Palestinian, you know, with the things that I can say and the things that I can do uh, within Israel. With that being said, I also uh, uh, think that we need to look for the, not just the next week and the next protest and the next uh, reaction uh, to this government, but we need to start thinking of how to proactively attack this government and strategically build a new kind of opposition in Israeli society. And with that, really redefine uh, the left and redefine uh, Israeli democracy uh, in many ways and Israeli society. And that doesn't take uh, weeks or months. It takes years. And I think this will be uh, uh, the point where I hope uh, more people will join us into building this new space. Um, All right. I hope so. 
it's it's been a big important conversation perhaps at a critical moment so do appreciate your time uh, thanks to all our guests Gideon Levy Sally Abed and uh, Stephen Erlanger thanks a lot this episode was produced by David Fleming Emil Ramhan Zilic Abla Kla and Paul Taylor Studio Sound was by Philip Morrison and the programme was edited by Anil Anandan Lynn Nguyen and Joe DeFres be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode Thanks for listening and tune in on Monday for our next show.